0: We're in week one of our big ask series, so we're inviting time. you to open, no heart, to open your hearts, open your mind, and prepare for God. Hey guys, Colin here.
1: And you know what? I've been hearing some They're awkward conversations sure right around time, church and, and all what the time problems it is of inviting people to church. To and you dismiss. know what? Today I'm going to help you guys out with that. So today we're at Starbucks,
0: we're going to invite some strangers to um, church. And so, I'm yeah. Gonna Let's kick it.
1: and come out like I should have. Hi there, we're
0: going to get for you. Uh, hi. Can I get a um, tall iced coffee black?
1: Yeah, anything else?
0: Uh, nope, that's it. Come on up. Thank you. Hello, there. Hello. Thank you. Keep the change.
1: Well, good morning, uh, everybody. Good morning, Restoration Church. Glad that we are, are all here together. Um, before we jump into the message, we want to talk about Milton and our Milton launch. So first, um, just hello to everybody in Plymouth. Hello to everybody joining in online. And um, this is a pretty exciting uh, moment for us. For those of you who aren't aware... Today in Dover is the last Sunday that the Milton crew will be with us. And uh, so that's actually, that's kind of sad. So Pastor Andrew is a location pastor for Milton. Next Sunday, they have their preview service. uh, It's where we get in the building. We make sure that everything's functioning, working right. We understand how it works. And then uh, two Sundays from today we have our launch. So wanted to just quickly talk through a couple things of that. So all of us as Restoration Church, we're kind of on the same page. Um, and uh, I wanted to give Andrew a chance too. Um, last night was the last informational meeting we've had. So we had four of those um, leading up to now. So just share with us about last night and what's been going on.
0: Yeah, we, um, we like Pastor Nate said, we've had four interest meetings and each one has gotten progressively better. And last night was our best interest meeting, yet we had, I think it was 38 people came out to the meeting, um, and I believe about 15 or 16 of them were not associated with our church in any way. So they were brand new, first time they stepped through the doors. And I got to hear so many incredible and powerful stories, but one of the ones that really stuck out to me that I love was I met I met someone, and, and we were talking, I said, how did you end up Coming to restoration, where do you live? She said, I live in Milton. I just moved here, actually, about a month ago. I was searching for houses in the area, and I was praying the entire time. God, where is it that you would have me go? And she was looking in Rochester and around there. And as she was searching for houses, she heard that we were planting a church in the Milton area. And so she decided, you know what, God? I think you have something for me there And decided to buy a house in Milton instead of Rochester so that she could be closer to the church. And she didn't even know us yet. She had never set foot in Restoration Church, but she said, God, you have a plan and a purpose for me here. And that was just such an incredible thing for me because I I was just blown away in that moment that someone put so much faith in God and so much faith that he was going to begin to do something in that community, that they would make the largest financial decision possible, buying a house, just to be closer to where they felt God was leading them. And that was just one of like the amazing stories that we got to hear and just the amazing things that God is already doing. The people he's moving into the area that we didn't even know that we were praying for are just showing up. And uh, so we just got to begin to do that. So we had 11 people. Well, 11. I got 11 cards, some of them representing couples, of people who committed to being a part of the team last night alone. And so that was awesome. So yeah.
1: Yeah, it's amazing, amazing, so good. All 11 of those people um, had, had never, have never attended a Restoration Church service, all 11 people who said, I'm going to help be a part of the launch and be a part of this church. I, this is uh, just a personal testimony for me. I have a friend that I've been inviting to Restoration Church for over 10 years. Think about your life, who you were 10 years ago. For over 10 years, I've been inviting my friend to come to be a part of the church. Last night, he came to the information light. This That's the first time he's made any step toward church in 10 years. And uh, so that was a big, huge, exciting moment for me. Um, now, because the launch is happening the 22nd, um, one thing to know is if you're here and Dover is your location Uh, we want you to make sure that you've joined the volunteer team. There's about 30 people next week who are going to be serving in Milton, serving in Dover. So if you're here and you want to volunteer, it's really easy to do. You can go to restorationchurch.cc forward slash next and certainly Plymouth location, this applies to you to serve there. Um, And um, you don't have to be a Christian to serve at Restoration Church. Um, And one of the ways uh, that we saw Jesus kind of participate is people, before they believed him, they were interacting with him and they were, uh, they were doing stuff with them. And so this is kind of a way, if you're investigating Jesus, you got going to open door to really investigate and be a part of everything. If you're a Christian um, and you say, I follow Jesus, part of following Jesus is serving his bride, which is the church. And so we want to make sure just, hey, I'm a Christian. All right, where do you serve? And, and you should have an answer for that. And so I know sometimes we're kind of in different seasons, um, but this is the season now for you to step up. You've been coming to Restoration Church for quite some time, and uh, this, is, this is the time now. This is a perfect opportunity for you to jump in and take that step. So the other thing is everybody wants to go and to support Pastor Andrew and, and Lulu, his wife, as they launch the location. We're going to ask you to support them in prayer, but to not actually attend there on the 22nd. If you want to go and and support them and, and, and see what God's doing, I want you to mark your calendar to do that on April 5th. So here's why we don't want you going on launch Sunday. There's going to be a lot of people coming to Restoration Church for the first time, and we want the team there to be able to focus on all of the new people coming without you trying to hog all their time. Because you're going to want to come and say, hey, show me around the building. Hey, catch me up. And you're going to want to chit-chat with them. But that's not... You can do that on April 5th. You can do that at worship night next week. But that Sunday, it's about what God's called us to do to share His good news, to help people to follow Him. So we want to make sure that they don't have any distractions on that because they're going to be pretty busy that that morning um, connecting with people and meeting with as many people as they can. Um, I know Plymouth is looking to... Um, uh, On Easter, they're going to be moving into their new space. They're meeting Portable because we're going under a huge construction project there. If you want to go to Plymouth and check out all the renovations there, do that the week after Easter. So just to anticipate a lot of people traveling those two weeks. And and we're going to pray for Milton together as a church right now. But also, I just want to invite you next Sunday night. Seven days from now, 5 p.m., we're going to be at the Milton Building having a worship and prayer night. This is one of the things that we, uh, that we always do before we, uh, before we launch any location. And um, so I want to invite you to be there and be a part of that. Those are special nights. Those are powerful nights as we, uh, Restoration Church, gather together to give thanks to God and to believe him to do miracles in, in a location that um that we haven't had services in in yet so that's next week at 5 p.m so it's gonna be amazing it's gonna be so good we can't wait to share i share pictures with you share stories with you and we know that god is gonna do some amazing things he already has he already has all right, well, let's pray. Will you pray with me, uh, everybody? If even I, Actually, I want to just say before we pray, you know, we have people who are joining us online, and I want to make sure to welcome them, that, are, that live in Florida, that, um, uh, and, but they summer in Milton. They, so they live in Florida, but come to Milton for the summer, and they've communicated with us that, hey, when we come up, when we move up, we're going to be a part of this, and uh, so they're going to pray with us right now as well.
0: I don't think I even knew that. Oh, wow. Well. <laughs> <laughs> um, Have my wife come up on stage too, pray with her. Oh, yeah. She, she needs it more than me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, so if you're comfortable, uh, why don't you put your hands toward Andrea Lulu, and let's pray in faith for God to do a miracle. Jesus, we know what you've called us to do. You've called us to share about how great you are, to share your good news, to share about your love and your forgiveness and your grace with anybody who would care to listen. And I know, Jesus, that when I met you, it changed my life. When Andrew and Lulu met you, it changed their life. And God, when, when you know, these next few weeks and these next few decades, as we share about you God, we have no idea whose lives you're going to change, but we know you're going to do it. People that we've been praying for and inviting for over a decade, they're going to show up and they're going to meet you. People who have family from across the country, um, but, but they're located in that area, they're going to show up because you've been drawing them and they're going to meet you. We thank you for that. We just pray for the launch. In the next two weeks, they're going to be busy as as the the Milton team gets everything ready and everything prepared and finalized to launch. But we just pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth in Milton as it is in heaven. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, put your hands together. Give thanks to the Lord. (laughs) It's good, exciting stuff. Well, let's jump into our... Into our we're, we're starting a new series today called The Big Ask. And uh, today we're, we're kind of talking about this idea of inviting people to check it out. Uh, I want to show you a picture here. And this is a restaurant called Dos Molina's. You can kind of see the words there up on the screen uh, uh, picture is a little bit dark, but you can see bars on the windows, bars on the doors, and actually Dos Molinas is my favorite restaurant in the entire world. Uh, it is a it is an amazing Mexican restaurant that's located in Fort Worth, Texas, and um, when I was uh, in my early 20s, about 20 years old. I moved to Texas and was working at a church there with one of my friends. And You know, Dos Molinas is my favorite restaurant, but I never, ever, ever would have gone there by myself. Um, You know, For a few reasons, I tend to be nervous of places that have bars on the windows. So usually I'm not going to enter a place with bars on the windows. I'm going to assume that they don't want me there. That's why they're trying to keep me out. And there's a couple things about this restaurant Um, So it was in, it was really not in a good neighborhood and uh, not, not in a neighborhood that, that I, you know, probably a neighborhood that I would have felt that I went to. And then afterwards, my, my friends who were on staff at the church would have said, why would you ever go there? Don't ever go there without me. And, um, and it was a restaurant where they, the, the waitresses and the waiters, they didn't speak English. So if I were to ask them a question about the menu, they would look at me and shake their head. So I, I just never would have gone there on my own. But what happened is some of my friends um, who I worked with, they kept telling me, you have to come with us. And so I'm just always up to try a new restaurant. So I went with them. They were, uh, they were Mexican, they spoke Spanish, so they ordered for me, they interacted with the waiter and waitress for me, and the food came out, and I'll never forget that first time because I had never experienced anything, like, I'm from New Hampshire, The Mexican restaurants didn't exist on the seacoast until, like, the last five years, and, uh, and I had never experienced anything like that before in my life. Uh, the real salsa, uh, fresh, uh, fresh-made tortillas made that day, fresh-made tortilla chips. Um, it was—I mean—it's one of those moments that caused you to uh, cause you just to worship the Lord, right there, <laughs> right there in that moment. It was great. It was really good. And, and any time, like I remember my mom coming to visit me um, when I lived there, and so I brought it to that restaurant. I remember friends coming to visit me, and I brought them to that restaurant. You have to experience those Molinas. And when we pull into the mud parking lot, it's a kind of weird. Like you're in a large city, and they have a mud parking lot. You pull in, and they see this, and they think, because uh, uh, they think I'm joking with them. And then I get out of the car, and they're like, oh, he's serious. Okay. And it is just so good. Uh, a few years ago, Michelle and I went to Texas um, when, uh, in 2015 when I was on a sabbatical. We went. We're, I had a meeting down there, so we were going to a bunch of churches, and we drove 40 minutes so I could bring her to experience this restaurant. So what happened is my friend, uh, Eva, Eva, she invites me to eat at the restaurant, and I tell everybody I know about it, I bring my wife to it, and one day I hope to bring my kids to it, to just say, like, and, like, when they have that tortilla, like, and I open the, tor- you know, and the warm tortillas are there, like, try it. And then they eat it. I'll be, like, watching them, it, like, <laughs> uh, it's good, isn't it? Because isn't that the, so much better than old El Paso in the microwave? Um... <laughs> It's kind of, you know, and it, 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 it was just think about that kind of experience. And maybe you've got a favorite restaurant and, um, and there are people that you are sharing with. Maybe it's a favorite band, but there's something that you enjoy. And it's not a difficult thing for you to talk with other people about it. And it's your hope that they'll like it. Uh, And enjoy it as much as you have. You're hoping to make them as much of a fan about it. When we think today and we're talking about Jesus, sometimes we forget this, but Jesus, he started out with zero followers you know zero people were following him he had um, he had some uh, uh, half brothers and half sisters and famously, one of his brothers James, absolutely rejected him until after he had saw Jesus raised from the dead it didn 't follow him didn 't believe him it really had nothing to do with him and so Jesus had zero followers and then As we'll read in the story we're about to read, he then had two followers and then he had four and then he had 12. And we can look today worldwide and see that there are now 2 billion people on this planet who follow Jesus. That's amazing. It's amazing to think about that. How did Christianity grow like that? How did it grow to the size that it is, to the influence that it is, that people of every race, people in every country, people in nearly every, I guess not in every tribe of the world, but but throughout the world, that there are two billion people from all kinds of different backgrounds and cultures have made a decision to follow Jesus and have had their lives changed by him. How did that happen? Even just think about Restoration Church. How did we grow to where we are? Started in 1946. It was a a handful of people having a Bible study. How did it grow now to where we're about to launch a third location? How does that happen? The answer is simple. It's by a personal invitation. Hey, you come, come. Come see. Come to church with me. Come see. And... Our, and, and maybe you're new to Restoration Church, but our motivation in inviting people to church and sharing Jesus is the same is a similar motivation to I have when I'm talking about those Molinas and, and when I hear people traveling to Fort Worth trying to convince them to walk through those barred gates and try out that food. Because I know how great it is. I know what my experience was. I want people to have a similar experience that I did. That's my motivation for becoming a pastor. When my life was changed when I was 14 years old, I've just wanted everybody to experience Jesus the way I did that Sunday night at that church. So, I think what happens if we begin to think like how powerful our invitation is, that if we as a church, we as just individuals can say, you know what, Jesus did change my life. Why have I been afraid to tell people my experience with him? But if we're able to share what he's done with our life, as really for us, as casually as we talk about a restaurant or a movie or a book, it will it will change our church. It will change the cities that our churches are in. It will change our state. An invitation to experience Jesus. It, it affects. The cosmos, it affects time and eternity. One simple invitation. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to open up to John chapter 1. And um, as you're turning there, I'll just give you a little bit of background on this portion of the scripture. But also, just want to, kind of as we're talking about that, said think about yourself. The majority of the people who are a part of Restoration Church, who have had their lives changed by Jesus at Restoration Church, they've come because someone invited them. Someone, I I know, so I've always gone to church, but when I was 13 years old, it was my older sister driving me to U-turn, and they were saying, yeah, you can come with me. And bringing me, that led to a year later, just absolutely everything in my life changing. My understanding of God, my understanding of Jesus, really the whole, uh, the whole rest of my life came from her driving me in her Chevy Spectrum. Um, so we're in the book of John. And we're about to read a little bit about a man named John, but these are not the same guys. Uh, there are two, two kind of famous guys in the New Testament with the name John that Jesus interacted with. One, his name was John the Baptist, or that was his nickname, because he baptized people in water. And so he got that nickname kind of accordingly. Um, and uh, he was the cousin of Jesus. So his mother, Elizabeth, and Jesus' earthly mother, Mary, they were uh, were related. So um, there wasn't too much interaction kind of between them. But here as they're adults, we see now John um, uh, beginning to talk and teach others about Jesus. That was actually the whole mission of why he was born. Elizabeth was barren and an angel appeared to her and said, you're going to have a son. You're going to name him John and he's going to pave the way for the Messiah, for the one who is to come, the savior of the world. So that was what John did. Now in the book of John, the gospel of John that we're reading, this was written by John the Apostle and he was famous as one of the 12 disciples who followed Jesus. He he was the only one of the 11 disciples who followed Jesus without betraying him, who wasn't murdered, so he lived a long life. He died uh, even after they attempted to kill him uh, at least once. He lived just about until in his 90s, and this is the guy who wrote the account we're reading. So it's John the Apostle writing about John the Baptist and writing about Jesus. So I want you to read verse number 29 first. And this is John. He's out. He's, he's kind of in the wilderness. He's baptizing people in the Jordan River. And Jesus shows up to be baptized. And it says, uh, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he recognized and understood who Jesus was. And just this understanding, because maybe you're not familiar with what that means, why did did John refer to Jesus as the Lamb of God? John and Jesus, excuse me, John and Jesus were part of, they were both Jewish by heritage, Jewish um, by, by, uh, by religious custom, and Jesus was coming as a fulfillment. So one thing that Jewish people would do is to bring a lamb to sacrifice or another animal to sacrifice to bring forgiveness for their sin. And what John was pointing out is saying, hey, we've been bringing lambs for forgiveness, but God now has brought a lamb for forgiveness for all people. We've been bringing our own lamb to sacrifice, but look, it's the lamb of God, the one that God has brought to sacrifice for us. It was a final sacrifice that would bring forgiveness for anyone who would receive it, or would ask for it, anybody, no matter what they've done, no matter where they're from, no matter how poor or how rich they were. So it's a big statement that he's making here. I want you to jump down to verse number 35. So the the next day, John was again... John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. So just kind of look there. John, um, the Baptist, he's got two followers. Jesus has zero. And he says, Hey, look again, there's the Lamb of God. And, And his two followers, his two disciples, leave him to go follow Jesus. You think John the Baptist was, might have been irritated about this? No, not at all. Because he knew his mission. He knew his purpose. He knew his assignment. He was to prepare the way for Jesus. So he was pointing it out, and, and he was happy to see these two men start to follow Jesus. So verse number 37, when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following, and he said, what do you want? And they replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Jesus says in verse number 39, come and see. He said it was about four o'clock in the afternoon, they went with him to the place he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Then um, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the men who heard what John said and followed Jesus, Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. I wanted to just stop there for a second. You can keep your Bibles open. But Andrew experiences Jesus, spends the day with him, and then what was his response? It was to go find his brother and tell him about Jesus. It's a response that, that I had that, that, that people have when they meet him and experience Jesus and find out, wait a minute, I didn't just attend a church service. I didn't just kind of adopt some religious um, ideology. I've met Jesus. I've been changed by Jesus. And he could have gone, and we don't know kind of how the conversation went with Peter, but we we can understand um, as as you study Scripture what Peter was like through other events that happened after this. Um, at one point when they came to arrest Jesus, um, Peter tried to protect him. He cut off the ear of one of the soldiers. There were times he began to speak up. And at one point Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. And he said that to Peter, this guy. So Peter was was pretty bold. He, he kind of spoke and acted before he thought. And so you just imagine Andrew showing up and saying, hey, I found Jesus. And Peter really not being interested. Like, don't bother me. Like, he's probably not excited about it because... And and I'm sure, you know, probably some arguments about it, but Andrew probably wasn't trying to create a theological argument for Jesus in that moment. He's not trying to go through all of the Old Testament history. He's not trying to go through and study what the Lamb of God means. He's not trying to convince Peter of anything, because how do you explain that? He said, hey, we found him. We've met the Messiah And then he invites him to come see him for himself. What we've got to understand as people who know Jesus, and even if you don't know Jesus, to help you understand as you're trying to investigate him and find out if he's real or not, Jesus needs to be experienced and not explained. Because if we could try to explain Jesus, and I think you, it is important that you study and understand um, who he is and, and what he did, and understand some of the, the kind of the deep tr- truths about how powerful he is and um, and and how he acts and can act in our life. But that's something that follows. Um, Having, follows a moment of experience. So what Andrew does is he says, come with me, you've got to see. Come with me, you've got to find out. And his life has shifted so dramatically after one encounter with him. Now for me, I can't imagine not following Jesus. Jesus. I just can't envision, I can't imagine it. What happened in my life was so dramatic, so profound, so life-changing. I just can't even imagine if that never happened or if that I would ever walk away from him or try to live life without him. And I can try to explain that to you, but really the posture of our church is, hey, you've got to see for yourself. I could try to tell you about those Molinas all day, how fluffy those tortillas are, how perfect that salsa is, but you'll never get it, not until you have one of those tortillas yourself. And this is Jesus. We're, we don't take a position where we're going to fight or argue. We just kind of invite people to experience it. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to, so Philip meets Jesus. He went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is uh, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael, can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. The next day to go to Galilee, Jesus finds Philip and invites him to join him. Then Philip goes and finds Nathaniel and says, you've got to come see Jesus. You have, got, you have got to come experience him. Jesus went from zero followers to four followers to two billion followers because of a personal invitation. I've met Jesus. You've got to come see And this is why, this is our motivation for inviting people to church. You've got to see what Jesus is doing in other people's lives. You've got to see how really it is. You have got to see how this is different. And I just want to show you a couple things um, about this, about asking someone to come and see, asking someone to come and check out Jesus for themselves. Don't try to force Coerce or even rehearse inviting people to come. So don't force, and this is maybe different than people who are outside of church would think, because they think that this is kind of, uh, you know, people, Christians, are going to try to force their beliefs on me. Um, They're going to kind of hit me over the head with their Bible. This is not what Jesus did. This is not what Andrew and Philip did, and so this is not something that we should try to do. And so we don't force people to follow Jesus. We don't try to force people to believe like we do. I just want to say that this is not um, a parenting advice for middle schoolers. If your middle schooler says, I don't want to go to church, and you say, I I just don't want to force them to come. No, you force your middle schooler to come to church. All right? They don't have a choice in that. You need to bring them and raise them and disciple them. Um, uh, But we're not... We're we're not trying to get a national church and force a law that every person, every citizen in the country needs to show up at church. That's not our intent. That's not really any Christian's intent. We want people to meet Jesus. Don't try to coerce them. And uh, that means to persuade an unwilling person to do something by force or threats. Uh, So I don't know what your experience has been, but kind of when I was a kid... Um, you would force people with the threat of hell. You're going to say you should come to church because of hell and you try to scare them into showing up at church or following Jesus and this is not something we're doing either. I'm not forcing or trying to threaten people to check out that restaurant and, um, uh, or, or to read a book or to experience something good. And then don't rehearse. And I think we can think I'll memorize a script and then I'll use that. And if you have experienced something, uh, I I don't think you have to write some script to share. You just share from your heart. What happens is, when we, if we don't really believe or we've never experienced Jesus for ourselves, then really, then, it could be maybe you don't have anything to share. And you're like the person who's doing a minimum wage job and they're told to sell these encyclopedias or, or sell this cleaning product and you don't believe in it. You're just trying to get, get your stuff done, get your religious duty done, earn your paycheck. And that's not what we're to do. We're not trying to share some script, check off a box. I did my good duty for the day. But because our lives were changed, because what we experienced was like nothing we've ever experienced before, we want to share that. The motive of the gospel, this is the second thing the motive of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is this our motive when we share about him. I found something, and I think you'll like it too. I found something that changed my life. I think, I think you'd like it. And so this makes it real easy to, when we show up at work tomorrow and someone says, what did you do for the weekend? And we're, we're not embarrassed or afraid to say, I went to church. And we were like, you went to church? What are you? And, they, and, and they're like, listen, you've got to come check it out. Would you believe in Jesus, listen, you have got to try to find him for yourself. It changed my life. And when you're able to share out of the great things he's done in your life, people are, are willing to listen. And because of your recommendation, they're willing to come and find out for themselves. What we tend to forget as people who already are part of Restoration Church is that people look at our church buildings like Dos Molinas. Will you put that picture back up for me? Our church building looks as intimidating as this building to them. They speak a different language. It's a different culture. They they don't want me there. They would never let me there. They're gonna call me a gringo. They're not, and and they they just think that they're not welcome. But it was my friends who brought me and changed my Mexican food experience forever. It was my sister who drove me to youth group that changed my life forever. And it's you just sharing about how great Jesus is to you. Not trying to argue or fight about their beliefs or how they live their life. Just sharing like, hey, he's, I think he's great. He's changed my life. And I think if you met him like I did, you would like him too. And allowing them the opportunity to check it out for themselves. Imagine... If we all invited one person to experience Jesus this month, we just kind of, maybe you've never done it before, but, but you following Jesus, you know he changed your life. And you just invited someone to, check, to come check it out. Hey, come to church with me. You got to hear. You got to hear about Jesus. And what are you going to say? I wouldn't be welcome there You know, and you say, no, you can say what you need to, but no, my experience at this church has been that they treat everybody good, Uh, even Yankees fans. They treat everybody good. (laughs) And, And so just come check it out for yourself. Just come check it out for yourself. What would happen if every one of us did that? What if once every six months, which is not a lot, we invited someone to come check it out? Over the next four years, we would reach over 1,500 people with the good news of Jesus. We'd be able to share. We'd have 1,500 people coming to check it out because of your, essentially, your review. But because you weren't afraid to share your experience. You weren't afraid to talk about something that you like, something that's made a difference in your life. Before I close and pray, I want you to do me a favor. On your seat, there's There's um, a giving envelope and a connection card, uh, but there's also an invitation. I want you to grab that invitation because these aren't on your seats just so you know what series we're in. And halfway through, when you come back from a daydream, you're like, what's Nate talking about again? And you're like, oh yeah, asking, the big ask. Um, But these are here for you to use as a tool. So when you say... Yeah, man, I went to church yesterday. It was so good. I just think about everything that Jesus has done in my life. It's amazing. I would, how could you believe all that stuff? How can I not after what I've gone through and what he's done in my life? And you get that invitation to say, if you ever want to, you should come check it out. So that's there. And I, I would just really um, challenge you to stick that card in your purse or your wallet or stick it in the cover of your phone. And ask God, God, this week, give me an opportunity to ask, invite someone to come check it out and to use that card this week for that purpose. And if someone, and sometimes we're afraid. I, well, they ask me questions I don't know the answers to. We just say I don't know the answers to. When someone says, what do they put? What are the ingredients in the salsa? I got no idea. I don't have any idea. I assume tomatoes. And cilantro, but it could be antifreeze in there. I don't know, but it's really good. You gotta come check it out. You gotta try it for yourself. As I don't have all the answers, how do they do their books? I'm not sure. Uh, what are their religious beliefs? I don't really know. Um, how many kids do they have? I'm not sure. Uh, uh, what part of Mexico is are, are, are they from? I don't know. What do I do know? It's good. It's good. It's an experience I'll never forget. What about Jesus? What about you believe this, you believe that? I don't have all the answers. All I know is there was this guy that I went and I met him and he changed my life. You've got to come see for yourself. Extend that card and that invitation to someone this week. Let's pray. Jesus, we have our cards, and and uh, as I'll carry cards with me this week, looking for that opportunity, we just do pray you give us that opportunity <laughs> that we'll be able to just share how much we love you and um, how you change our life, and we'll be able to invite other people to come and to check you out for themselves. We know Jesus. What happens? when someone begins to try to find you. Every person who seeks after you, you seek after them. And I pray that this morning if there's people here who've never made a decision to follow you, that even right now, they give their life to you. They'd ask you to change their life like you did mine when I was 14. 14. They would ask you to pour down your spirit on their life, to forgive them, to, um, to save them, and help them live their life following you. And I pray this all in Jesus' mighty name, amen.